Greetings and welcome to another Different Church Podcast. My name is Jarrett and I hope you are having an awesome day. I'm recording this intro after midnight on Sunday night slash Monday morning. It's pretty late, pretty tired, but today was a really good day. We had an awesome day at church. But before I tell you about that, I just have a couple of like kind of announcement things I want to make sure that you are up on. Number one. Uh, if you haven't signed up for our mailing list or connected with us in any way and reached out and said hello, we would love to meet you virtually. Uh, grab your phone and go to diff.church. There's a form there you can fill out. Uh, just say hi. Let us know who you are. If you're listening, we'd love to know where you are, how you found us, all that kind of stuff. And more important than that, uh, there's a way that you can submit prayer requests. If there's anything going on in your life, you just need to tell somebody. We can be that somebody. Let us know. We'd love to pray for you. Or if there's something really amazing going on in your life, we'd love to hear about that too. Uh, we just want to support you and uh, pray for you and let you know that you know there's church out there that cares. Because every other church doesn't. I'm just kidding. That's dumb. I'm going to delete that. No, I'm not. I'm going to leave it in. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Okay. Also, December 20th, <clears throat> it's going to be a really, really cool day at church. We're not doing a Christmas Eve service or a, a service on Christmas day or anything like that. So you can, you know, hang out with your family and spend time with them. So our Christmas celebration is going to be on December 20th. It's going to be super cool. Uh, wear your ugly Christmas sweaters, uh, dress like a Christmas tree, whatever, whatever you do to get in the spirit. It's going to be really fun. Uh, Heather is going to be leading the music that day and she's going to be leading an all-star cast of band members doing all sorts of cool and fun things. And then our, uh, guest speaker for that day is our very own Raina, which is really cool. We are having guest speakers the entire month of December. Because Hannah is having a baby. And speaking of guest speakers, we actually had a guest today. She's really cool. She is a mental health therapist. We've had her before as part of a panel. But today, she actually decided to come in and bless us with, like, you know, a proper message slash sermon. Anyway, her name is Olivia. Like Jarrett said, my name is Olivia, and I am a thousand percent not qualified uh, to be teaching and preaching to you guys this morning. I'm a mental health therapist, but it's kind of like, um, I guess, maybe when pastors go on an airplane, right? And people are like, oh, you know, you're sitting next to someone. They're like, what do you do? I'm like, oh, I'm a therapist. They're like, oh, gosh. Uh, but hopefully it's not as scary uh, for you guys. Uh, but I am the owner of Sunshine City Counseling. We are here, gosh, a month, a couple months ago, um, with some of my other therapists, and uh, got to talk, and that was a lot of fun, but um, I have the great pleasure of being a therapist uh, and managing what I think are a fabulous team of therapists in downtown St. Pete, so, um, but hopefully I'll get to meet you guys and chat a little bit more after the service, and so please don't be shy. I am generally a pretty extroverted person and like friends, so come say hi. Um, I love... Christmas time. Like it might be uh, probably my favorite of the, the holidays aside from my birthday, um, which happens in January. And, uh, you know, birthdays are pretty cool, but Christmas is equally as cool. Uh, but I, I love Christmas for so many different things, right? The fact that um, I get to wear like boots and jeans and not sweat 
a million degrees uh, in the state of Florida is always cool. I get to wear flannel. Um, I feel like I was talking with a friend earlier this week, and she was saying that she loves the month of December because it's like work doesn't actually matter. It's like <laughs> I go to work, but really we just kind of live for like you know the hangouts and I guess right now with COVID stuff like maybe the zooms, uh, but having really small kind of intimate parties. But I love Christmas because. I love the things that it, it brings about, right? Like the cooler weather, the shorter days. I don't love that so much because I'm a morning person. But um, and I feel like when 6 p.m. rolls around, I'm like, did I miss? Did I miss dinner? Is it 10 p.m. yet? You know. Um, but I love all the things of just like the transition, right? That this season tends to bring. But I also know, as much as I love this time of the year, it's a really, really hard time of the year too. For like a thousand different reasons, for all the reasons that I love Christmas, right? Like I love being with my family. I love hanging out. I love those things. Christmas is also really hard because like I have to be with my family and like to hang out and talk about things, and that's really tough. And this time of the year can also be really tough because maybe families, your family, like have disowned you, or maybe you have family members that. You've had to put up really strong boundaries with, and then you can't be you, you know for your own health. You're not cho- you're choosing not to be with them, and there's a type of loneliness that happens this time of the year. It's really awesome, but it's also really hard. So it's like this. It's kind of like this beautifully hard season. But I love the season of Advent. If you've never heard that word, it's kind of what the Christian Church refers to the season of Christmas time as as Advent. In the Latin, it means this coming or the arrival of something. And I love that imagery that right now, this this space and time, this month of December, we are we're waiting for something. We're looking forward right to Christmas Eve or to Christmas Day. You know, I'm I'm from Texas, and so we have this tradition that on Christmas Eve you just gorge yourself on all the tamales and all the queso and all the things. And so, as a little kid, I'm like, "Let's get to Christmas Eve. Let's go!" Right? But everything is building and building and building up into that Christmas Eve, that Christmas Day. And I love when I think about the season of Advent. I love thinking about well. What am I really looking forward to? Right, because it's not just about like this consumerism, right? Like getting cool gifts, and you know, I mean, that's cool and all, but like, it's not so much about that, or or even being with family or friends, right? For those of us who would say that we're Christians, we are looking forward to the arrival or the birth of Jesus. But if you're anything like me, you're like, like I know that that's like the thing. But like, why does that matter? <laughs> like, cool, cool, cool. This like little baby was born. His name was Jesus, and like he did some stuff. Kind of mattered. But like, what effect does that have on my life now in 2020? Right. And so the season of Advent, though, with this being the second Sunday in Advent, we're being called to look at something outside of ourselves. We're called to look up and to wait. And to begin to look for the hope of what's to come, because, like I said, this time of the year 
has a lot of darkness associated with it, a lot of hard things. I mean, like I said, like, it gets dark at what feels like noon now, you know? Like, <laughs> 4 or 5 p.m. rolls around, I'm like, oh, no. I miss some things. Like, what's happening, right? But so that, like, we are actually in just more darkness. But also, I, I tend to get a little nostalgic around this time of the year, too, where I feel a little heavier. It can feel harder. Just kind of like I'm trudging through mud or I'm plodding along. And so... I definitely felt this about 13 years ago. It was December 1st, I guess some, some backstory. Um, I am one of five. Like I said, I'm originally from Dallas, Texas. Um, I am like the true Texan uh, of that we think that we're the best. And um, you know, unashamedly, we're really cool. And uh, even though I haven't lived there in forever, but I still claim the state of Texas. Uh, so I'm from Texas. I grew up in a family of five. I'm number four of five. And so again, everything is truly bigger in Texas, my family included. And, um, and there's a 15-year spread from top to bottom. Why do you need to know this? It's just a fun fact. So, um, but I grew up with a handicapped sibling. His name was Steven. And... <clears throat> Life was normal for me, right? Like, I thought it was super normal to have a brother who was in a wheelchair. I thought it was equally as normal to learn how to drive in a 16-passenger van. I found out later that that was not normal. Um, but I prided myself on being able to parallel park this mega, mega bus. Uh, but that was my normal. So I go to college. We do the things, right? I'm in my sophomore year at this point, And I'm getting ready for finals. So I live in Georgia. My family is in Texas. And I had gotten a call that said, hey, Stephen is kind of sick. We don't know what's going on. We're just going to take him to the hospital. Long story short, they couldn't figure out what was wrong. And so they were like, OK, we're going to do some testing. So we're going to you know, inject his body with a bunch of dye, let it hang out for an hour, and then we're going to take him into this machine. It's like a glow in the dark, and we're going to figure out what's kind of going on. It was in that in-between waiting period, apparently, that some of the doctors or nurses forgot to hook up his heart monitor. And so my dad was the only one with him, and he took a big, deep sigh and went to sleep. My dad was like, I'm so glad. He hasn't slept in like a couple of days. But what my dad didn't know was that was when he died. And they didn't discover that until about an hour later when the doctors came in and they tried to revive him, uh, and they could not bring him back. And so I'm in Georgia, I'm at like a focus group. My phone, I didn't have it. And I remember I got done and I went to pull up my phone and I had like 40 missed calls, which is never a great sign. <laughs> I have since come to realize. Uh, but I got that dreaded phone call, right? And so my life, my family's life went from being normal to very not normal to very much experiencing this heavy cloud of darkness. So many questions, so much grief, so much anger. Like, why would this happen? Like, what's the, what's the point, right? Like, death isn't supposed to happen. And it's always awkward, and it's always weird. But I very much felt which is similar to the season of Advent, right? I very much felt this, I can't fix this. I can't solve this. 
There's nothing that I can do to make Stephen come back alive. There's really nothing that I can do to make myself feel less depressed and less sad. Like there's nothing that I can do to help my little brother when he calls me every single night and he just weeps and I just sit there and listen. Like there's no words for that. And I don't think I'm alone in having had this kind of experience. Whether you have lost someone in your life or you yourself are finding yourself in just like a dark season. You know what that's like, right? Like you are just kind of sitting there in the darkness. You're like, I, I can't make this better. There has to be someone or something bigger than me that can work this out because I can't. And it's always in times of suffering, right, that we realize we need rescuing. We need light to come into the darkness, to light everything up again, to save us and to rescue us. And so before I read this morning's text, just a little bit of background too, because I'm going to read a, a portion of Scripture from the Old Testament, and I'm also going to read a portion of Scripture from the New Testament. You might be like, Olivia, that's kind of weird. We don't really read the Old Testament. But the Old Testament is really, really stinking cool, uh, and it makes the New Testament all that much cooler because what happens in the Old Testament, you see a lot of these prophecies and the prophets talking about these things like, hey, this is going to happen in the future. And the people are like, cool, cool, cool. Like, but when is that going to happen? We don't know. And then the Old Testament, you begin to see this unfolding of God's plan. And it's really, really stinking cool. And so when we look at all of scripture, we see this overarching theme of the creation of the world, the fall, the brokenness that enters the world. But then we see this pattern of redemption, of, of God coming and making all the sad things untrue. And that culminates when he comes back. And so I want you to hold that in your mind as I read our text this morning of what happened and what was prophesied in the Old Testament is also becoming true. We see that becoming true in the New Testament. Some scholars talk about how we find ourselves in between two advents. The advent of Jesus, right? The coming, that Jesus is coming into the world, his birth, his arrival, but also the advent or the coming again when he comes back ultimately, as C.S. Lewis says, to make all the sad things become untrue. And so right now we live in that tension, right? Of the waiting ultimately of him coming back again. But so we're kind of in between those two advents. So this morning... I'm going to be reading from Micah, chapter 5, verse 2 is our first one. So if you have your Bible, cool. If not, you can just listen to me. You can also put it on your phone, whatever. So Micah, chapter 5, verse 2. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose origin is from of old, from ancient of days." And our next text is going to be from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. This is kind of the, when you think about the Christmas story, this is what you'll hear a lot of people kind of read about. We're only going to read the first seven verses. Um, 
But chapter 2 and Luke, verses 1 through 7. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. That's Jesus. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Now, what the heck does that mean? <laughs> right? When we read things from the Bible, we always want to assume, like, what does this text have to teach me about God? Right? The Bible isn't, what does it teach me about me? Like, of course, we'll get there, right? But we always want to see, like, how does this text teach me more about who God is? Right? So when we look at Micah, we see that he is prophesying, like, hey, there's this king, Jesus, who's going to come. He's going to change everything. He's also going to come from, like, the least likely of places. Like he's not gonna come from like this town, right? That's like really well known, super famous, like kind of a big deal. He's gonna come from this teeny tiny little town that doesn't really matter. I always think of like, you know, Kansas, sorry. But, but like, you know, m middle of stinking nowhere, right? <laughs> sorry, Kansas, but it's Kansas, um, right? But we see that Micah is prophesying this thing. And this is what's so wild is when the Old Testament ended, there was 400, 450 years of silence. Like nothing happening kind of silence, like, where did he go? <laughs> did God forget about us? Like, this is awkward, right? Like 400 years is a long enough time, if you think about it, um, it's a long enough time period, even though Folks back then lived real long. Uh, it's a long enough time period, the people who actually witnessed these miracles of the Old Testament that like God showing up and doing really ridiculously cool stuff, they would have died. And so all that those people would have had were these stories, right? Because the oral tradition is what passed on these stories. And so it's like, yeah, like my great-great-grandfather told me this thing that like this guy named Jesus is going to come. He's going to do some stuff. He's going to change everything. He's going to rescue us. But like hasn't happened in a long time, right? Like so much silence, so much nothingness. <laughs> and then, when you read in Luke, right, Caesar Augustus, this guy, who the heck is he, says, hey, we need to take a census. We need to do that, that's important. And this is what's super interesting, if we look at the context, right, that uh, was what was kind of going on. Uh, during that time. And I didn't really even recognize this until I started studying this text, and so I'm excited for all the implications. But the Mediterranean basin, really, like this part of the world, for like years, decades, centuries, was ravaged by wars. Like, kind of, it was just a hot mess, basically. Like, in layman's terms, like, 
It was not good. <laughs> like, I'm sure those people are like, can we move somewhere else? Because this is terrible, right? Like, we need to go. And so then Octavian, who would be known as Caesar Augustus, he comes in, he defeats all the people, he does some stuff, he starts to make things a little bit better, but the only thing that he can do, because he's a dude uh, and a man, like a human, not like, you know, I'm not trying to be sexist or anything, but, you know, he's a human being, he's like, well, all I know to do is just bring in more government. And so you guys are going to go from being a republic to now you're gonna, we're going to be like a dictatorship. We're going to be the empire. By the way, I'm going to need you guys to call me Augustus, Caesar Augustus, in fact, which I didn't know this, but Augustus has this terminology or this kind of phrasing of the sacred one. Like a savior. Hmm. Interesting. And so he kind of is like, you know what? Kind of hot stuff. I changed some stuff. I think I'm the guy. I'm the one who's going to change all this up. And the people, I'm sure, of that time were like, well, I mean, I don't know. It's not really what they said way back, but... Um, things are getting a little bit better, I guess, but like now we have more government stuff and like, oh, this feels terrible. We still kind of are in need of rescuing. And so while this thing is kind of going on, he's like, yeah, we're going to do a census, so I'm going to need to make sure I can tax everyone appropriately, right? And that's kind of where we land in the scene in Luke chapter 2. Joseph and Mary, they get together, they go, they register, they do the thing. And Mary just happens to give birth while they're doing that. So it's like, okay, all of these things, how does, it, how does the birth of Jesus have any effect for me and where we are? It has everything to do with it. Jesus' birth into the world was wild. Like, the world was on fire, not maybe unlike right now, <laughs> right? The world was a hot mess, and that's the world that Jesus was born into. And if you notice, he wasn't born with like all this pomp and circumstance like you would think about a king being born, right? Like he ha- it just happened in this like very quiet kind of understated way, like off to the side in this tiny little town of Bethlehem. And no one really knew until they started talking about it and started getting out. But if you look, we've, we see again, right, this, this kind of sense of, okay, so God was silent for like four or 450 years. Jesus comes into the world in a super understated way. It's still kind of quiet. And when you look at the process of birth, right, when I think about that, and this could be like, so many other like talks, and so I'll make this brief, but like when we think about pregnancy, there is a lot of silence with pregnancy. There's a lot of quietness. I mean, I remember when I was pregnant, I remember thinking, no one told me how lonely this process was going to be because it was just happening to me. My husband was awesome, but it wasn't happening to him. But inside of me, this, this life was being formed, was being woven together. And there was this type of like uneasiness <laughs> because I, I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know like the next thing that was going to come. I had to be just here. And so this, 
this process of silence, right, that, that we see God being silent, and then he just, hey, here's this little baby, you know, in such an understated way. I feel like this is like, if, if, if it, anything, I hope that you hear this. God has not forgotten you. I know it might feel like it. I know it might feel really lonely. I know it might feel harder than maybe it should. I know that this might not be what you had thought it would be. But if God could send his son after so much time in such a powerful way through the act of someone getting pregnant, right? And this kind of invisibleness of this weaving together of just, it's kind of slowly happening. Like it's just, Mary just had to keep plodding along just to do the thing. I think that God can also show up in our own lives in a very similar way. That as much as we are stuck in between these kind of two advents, right, of like what other people have talked about as like the now and the not yet. Like Jesus has come and it's really, really good news because we need rescuing. But we're still stuck in this tension until he comes again to make all the sad things come untrue. <laughs> what is that, that space in between, right? What is that about for you? What does that look like for you? You know, as a, as a therapist, I, I often sit with people in some of their darkest times of their life. I mean, they don't come to me typically uh, when they're happy uh, or life is going super, super well. They come to me because they're like, ugh, I feel stuck. This is not what I thought life was gonna be like. I didn't know that this was gonna happen. You know, like, miscarriages aren't supposed to happen. Relationships that you've been in for years or decades aren't supposed to end. Depression and anxiety, that's, that shouldn't be a thing, and yet it is. So like, what do you do with your darkness? What do you do? That's the million-dollar question. I think it has a lot to do with pressing into the silence, believing that if God could show up after so much time, that he can also show up for you. And that's the hope. That is the, the coming, the arrival. That is the season of Advent. If the band wants to start making their way on up, you guys are welcome. There's no like cool way to say that, so get on up here. But what does it look like for you to sit in your darkness to sit in your mess, right? To press into that and say like, God, what do, you, what do you have for me in this? Like, this is terrible. I love the rhythm and I love the routine of Advent because I love what it represents. That internally, right, I feel this sense of maybe heaviness or darkness or loneliness. And when I can attach myself to something greater than myself, like the season of Advent, it helps my heart to posture itself and to position itself in such a way to say, okay, I'm, 
I'm always kind of looking at my feet. I'm always kind of just staring at my own situation, but like, there is someone greater. There is someone better. There is a, a rescuing that I desperately, desperately need. And that's the good news, right? And that's the gospel, that you are not alone in your mess and in your darkness, that there is a savior who was born and his name is Jesus. And that is the good news of Advent. That is what we wait for and what we look for and what we hope for. And so as I, I finish, you guys over the next couple of weeks are gonna be finishing with kind of a, a devotional book. It's called Honest Advent by Scott Erickson. If you have not heard of Scott, he is incredible. He also happens to be from Texas. That's cool. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, this book um, is just such a helpful, it's little reflections, little devotionals every single day kind of leading up to December 25th. And it's just a really beautiful way of, again, attaching myself to something greater, to remind me and to teach me of, of what I have to look forward to and why the birth of Jesus matters. And so I'm gonna read just a little bit from one of the chapters. Um, it's called Unease. And he's referencing kind of uh, what pregnancy is, right? So he says, just like morning sickness, the unease is a strategy of the soul to protect you from doing all the things as usual that could harm this new life being grown in you. It's for love that you have been moved from what is known to what is unknown. It's for love that you have been moved from your, or from your comfortable perch so you can be enlarged by a different perspective. It is for love that you have been broken open so a larger capacity of faith, hope, and love can be built inside of you. And he says, center yourself by asking these three questions. What's the conversation I can have only by being in this situation? What parts of my life have I been able to uncover only by finding myself here? And what unexpected place might God want to meet me in during this uneasy time I am experiencing? And so may the unease of your stretching and expanding be the promise of divine love growing in you a new life of unforeseen possibility. Let me pray. Jesus, you changed everything. You changed everything when you came into this world. And I know for some of us, the Christmas season, the Advent season is just really it just brings up a lot of hard memories, maybe a lot of really painful conversations. But I pray for those of us who are here this morning, whether here in person or listening online, I pray that we would be reminded that we are not alone in our hard spaces or in the darkness. That a savior was born and that is all the good news that we need, that we are not left alone, that we have a rescuer who has come for us. And so would you give us the courage to press into the silence, to ask the hard questions, because if we're not silent, if we're not quiet, we will miss what you have for us. 
in this season. We love you so very much. And it's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen.